Join me in uh, Genesis 17. We'll start at verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. I'm going to sip as I read so that when I preach, I can flow. Is that okay? Yes, all right, because this reading is taking all my energy, so I'm trying to get through it. Verse 3, it says this here. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant. Someone say covenant. covenant. With you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. And it will, here it is, everybody. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I'll make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. If you're taking notes, this is what's called the Abrahamic covenant. If you want to write that down, it won't come up on the screen. And a covenant is a promise or an agreement. This is a unilateral, going to write that down, uni, you should be able to spell it all out, unilateral covenant where God is going to do it. It's not based on condition as much as it is faith and relationship. Um, so Abram doesn't have any law to follow. There's no Mosaic law, which you have the Mosaic covenant that as long as the children of Israel obeyed God, God would bless them, God would protect them, he would make them the head and not the tail. So that was conditional. And a lot of us, we approach God in a conditional sense, but God just simply wants relationship. Right. And he wants right. you to walk with him and to love him with everything in you. So this is based on faith. Someone say faith. faith. And in time, God is going to do all these things even beyond Abraham's lifetime. And the Bible teaches that we are still under the blessing of Abraham. For if you are in Christ, you are a child of Abraham. So this is why in the text, God said from generation to generation. So not just Abram's biological offspring and descendants, but also his spiritual offspring, those of us and many billions of Christians that are meeting this morning across the world. We're under the blessing of Abraham. He says this verse midway through seven, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give them the entire land of Canaan. That's the whole message too. God has a land for you. And I do believe that it is a physical land. And this is why when it comes to life, you don't have time to waste. Mm -hmm. So good. And you have to give it your best. That's good, and you got to step it up. You got you, you to gotta step it up. There's some things that God has promised you. There's a physical land, but in context, this is also, this is the land that God promised his people, the Jewish people. And you'll see that outlined in the book of Joshua, the entire land under which David, when he was king, he was king over just about the entire land that God had outlined to Joshua some hundreds of years prior to David. To this day, that land is being fought for, but it is the Jewish people's land because of this verse, what God promised Abraham. 
And so it says this here, where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. Here it is. It will be their possession forever. And I will be their God. We'll go down to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. I slipped at the 830, and I said, I will be among. <laughs> I mean, you know, we talked about that, right? Self-talk. I slipped. I did. I slipped. But how you see yourself is vital. We're going to get to that in a moment. Yeah. Um, but I'd encourage you to engraft yourself into the story. Don't allow these to be just blessings for Abraham and Sarai, but God is also talking about you. Kings, someone say kings, kings. of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your blessing. So Sarah had this idea of having her servant conceive a child with Abraham, thinking that that was the answer to it. We talked about that last week. Visit last week's message. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. Your name, you will name him Isaac and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. This is a messianic prophecy about Christ as an everlasting. Someone say everlasting. everlasting. It can't be through Ishmael because that was according to your works. Wow. You didn't do that by faith. Come on, come on. Um, you're going to be responsible for raising him, but that's not where the blessing is coming through. Okay. And so he says this here. For Ishmael, I'll bless him. I'll make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants because I love you. And I know you care about your son, but I love your son more than you do. Yeah. I'm going to bless him. And so we believe that um, the Arabs or the Islamic faith was the progenitor was Ishmael. This is why there's, they butt heads in the Middle East all the time because you have Ishmael against Isaac still to this very day. And it says this here, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. I love how God knows. Yes. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. He said, I ain't going back and forth with you no more. I'm done. <laughs> my kind of God. The clock is ticking and time is running out. God first spoke to them when they were 75, respectfully, and 65 years old, some 25 years before this scenario. And um, Abram is 100, and Sarah is 90. And by all accounts, they are justified in believing scientifically, biologically, that we're at a disadvantage. Right. There's no having this child, God. I'm, I'm 100. She's 90. The flow has faded, and um, it's been a good run. So why don't you just... <laughs> Hey, you called it Miranda. Hey, got to wake y'all up a little bit. The flow is fading, and why don't we just do this thing through Ishmael? 
And so God's like, no, we're not going to do that. I understand that you are at a disadvantage. Anyone you ever feel like, or maybe in a season, you don't have to raise your hand, but you, you feel like the deck is stacked against you. Yeah. And for many of you, it's like multiple decks. It's one here, it's one here, it's one here. It's your house, it's your job. It's, you know, they're all over the place. Like you're just at a disadvantage. You don't feel like you have enough. You're not motivated. You're not inspired. You don't have the resource that you think you need. And so here's the key question today is um, God wanted me to ask myself and then you, how do I respond when I'm at a disadvantage? 190, respectfully. There's no having a child. But how do I respond when I'm at a disadvantage? Do I shrink? Do I buckle? Do I look back into my past? Solomon said, don't do that. Don't, uh, don't miss the good old days, is what it says in Proverbs. They were not that good. Like, you do know there's a reason you came to Jesus. Because the devil was kicking butt and taking names. <laughs> I don't got a church this morning. All right, don't, don't. Oh, it was so, he was such a good boyfriend. Key word. No, no. Was. No, no. Right? So let me, let me. No, don't, don't do that. Right. Don't do that. You know? That was such an amazing city. Well, why are you here? If so, when you're at a disadvantage, do you do you often look back, or do you shrink? Do you buckle, or do you do you value the future more than the past? Um, and I, I I don't know. I'm I'm becoming accustomed to disadvantages because I feel like the more you make progress in life and the more impact you make, you're just gonna hit different. What they say, different levels, different. Yep. Oh, wow. Y'all don't read y'all Bible. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. You can't rebuke me. I rebuke you. you know? I know my Bible. Okay. Preachers say that, but the Lord ain't never really. But anyway, so yeah, you know, it's, I'm going to follow the thread of the story. I've been, I've been loving this approach. We're just going to pull out the three major thoughts from the text. Is that okay? Yes. And we'll build from there. Is your heart open? Yes. All right, I love what my wife said uh, for the prayer team. She said, this isn't a concert. But the very word that God gave me this week has the power to change your life forever. Amen. Come on. So, um, as a matter of fact, let's do an exercise. If you're leaning back, sit up. That's good. Sit up. I need you to sit up. Come on. Sit up. Y'all like, I'm grown. What is he doing? I don't care. <laughs> sit up. Y'all could be at brunch. Sit up. Wow. Lean into this word. Yes. Are y'all ready for this? Yes. Can we put our hands together? Yes. Like. Your boy got a hard sinus infection, but I thought about you, so think about me. <laughs> Online, sit up. Y'all ready? Let's go. All right. How do you think we moved to Maryland? You think I was just nice to you all the time, child? <laughs> Chris, was I nice all the time? Yes. No, I wasn't. Because <laughs> I see greatness in you, and I got to pull it out. It's good. It's good. And the human tendency is to... We can't do that. Someone say we can't do that. We can't do that. Got my nice shirt on. Brandon got the same shirt. <laughs> I pulled in this morning. I'm like, dang, Brandon. <laughs> this ain't elementary, bro. <laughs> Number one, Abram's, Abram and Sarai's mindset. All right, I'll be nice for the rest of you. 
their mindset. Someone say mindset. mindset. All right, so God comes in and he says, I am El Shaddai, which simply means that I can do what I want when I want. But there's an issue. And oftentimes the blockage is mindset. And the mindset, if you're taking notes, is an inner belief that drives or influences the way we think and behave. And so he comes in and he says, the first thing I need to do is I need to change your name. Because back in this culture, names influenced what a person believed about themselves. It is vital even to this day, even though we don't fully understand this in American culture, what you name your children. Because in this day, in the Hebrew mind, they understood that names were self-fulfilling prophecy. If you named a baby, this is who and what they would become. So sometimes I'd be like, all right, Lord, zip me up a little bit. All right, all right, all right. Sometimes I wonder, why did you name that child that? And it's like, what's their middle name? Can we call them their middle name? Because most Americans fit a Bible name in there somewhere. So you, you want to you slant towards, towards that Bible name. But um, names influence what a person believed about themselves. So their name, someone say name, name. influence their mindset. And so God comes in, he's like, uh, they ain't going to call you Abram no more. Uh, we're not going to call her Sarai anymore. Abram means exalted father. Or another way you can break down Abram is father figure. Because Abram is the leader of thousands of people. He's, he's wealthy. He's, you know, he's employed a lot of people. The Bible says that over 300 men have been born into his household. So when they see Abram, they see a father. But is he really a father? No. He's a father figure. He's exalted above everyone that is in his life. He is the number one leader in the group, but he is not yet, someone say yet, yet. a father. Now, the name Sarai in the Hebrew means princess. And at the very essence of what a princess is, a princess is, number one, a daughter. Mm. So I have to deal with your names because it's simply the way that you see yourself. There's no way that you can be the father of many nations if you're stuck in a father figure mentality and mode. And there's no way you can be a mother when at the very core of who you believe yourself to be is a daughter. Because daughters receive, 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 receive. Lord, I need. Lord, I want. Lord, bless me. Lord, protect me. Lord. But mothers are resourceful. So mothers pour out, daughters receive. And in order for me to truly give you this miracle, I need to shift your mentality from someone who just wants to be blessed to someone who wants to be used to be a blessing. Okay. Let me give you a kingdom secret. The people who are most blessed and most impactful and strengthened the most are those who want to be a blessing to others, not just who wants to receive a blessing. So I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. I can do whatever, but it's your mentality that's getting in my way. So Abraham means father of many nations. Mm. I need you to believe this about yourself. Mm. And Sarah means mother of many nations. And so here's the key question today. (laughs) This was so good when I was studying. 
God wanted me to ask us all here. He said, ask them this. How do you see you? How do you see you? Because I've come to find out in 17 years of walking with the Lord, in a couple weeks, 17 years, wow, is that, and it's 17 minutes left, that's crazy. Anyway, weird. Is that... It's not always my circumstance or what I lack. It's not COVID. It's not my boss. It's not my job. It's the man in the mirror. And it's how I see me that either limits or liberates God in the area of what he can do through my life. And what it is, is it's getting rid of the victim mentality. I'm 100 and I'm 90. God's like, and I'm El Shaddai. Now, if you're going to name yourself, please don't name yourself a number. I know who I am. How do you see you? Because I've come to find this out, that God can only, God is only able to do through me what I believe about me. Don't we see it in the text? There's no way I can use you or bless you immaculately if you're always a victim. If it's, if it's always dad's fault who wasn't there. If it's always mom's fault who, who won't apologize. If it's always your brother's fault. If it's always your ex-husband's fault. Your ex-wife. There's no way because you've allowed that thing to label who you are. God is only able to do through me what I believe about me. I remember when we moved, when we moved here. When we moved to Mar- I was telling my son the other day, son. We, I said, I didn't know. I ignorantly led a team of people to Maryland, not knowing that it was 37% more expensive in terms of cost of living. I did not know. We didn't have covering. We were not a daughter church. I didn't have a mentor or pastor holding me by the hand. The only thing I had was the internal battle mentally of, are you an idiot? Are you crazy? I had some associate, you know, some acquaintances that started their churches with a half a million dollars, a million dollars. Yeah, we moved from Alabama to Florida. I had a team of 40 people and we got a million dollar budget already. We haven't even launched. I'm like, oh, that was an encouraging meeting. <laughs> Let me look at my Wells Fargo highlight. <laughs> $2,000. But if I don't see myself as a king, if I don't see myself, God cannot resource how I do not see myself. I can't make you the father of many nations if you see yourself as a father figure. I cannot make you the mother of many nations if all you see yourself as is a daughter. It's essential. Someone say essential. essential. This is more essential than the, than the workplaces that were still open during the pandemic. Your mindset. It, it, it's essential. You called that back there. It's essential. Yes. And I just wish I had more time. 
I remember when um, growing up, I don't even think my mom understood this. She said, Joshua, whenever someone asks you, what should I call you, Josh or Joshua? She said, you tell them Joshua is your name. I don't think she fully understood it. I just think she was like being you know, prideful about the fact that she named me Joshua, so she was protecting that. I didn't know it before I came to Christ, but when you break down Josh and Joshua, the name Josh means joke. And growing up, there was always some, I'm going to be a little selfish with this part of the message. I promise I'll get back to you. Um, growing up, I always felt that there was something big on the inside of me. I always felt, in every room I stepped in, I, was, I felt different. I felt, I was shy, but I, I was different. I was, plus my dad's 86, right? He had me when he was 50, so they always used to say, you, you have an old soul. And so my peers never really made sense to me, like doing stupid stuff, never, because it was always wisdom. But, but I felt like no one really took me seriously. And whenever I looked behind me, there were no followers. And then growing up before coming to Christ, it was like, it's because you're a joke. The devil's like, yeah, no one, no one takes you serious. So when I came to Jesus, well, he, he does this funny thing where he, if you allow him to, he'll start yes. to change your mindset. Yes. He'll literally change the nature of who you are yes. if, if you allow Christ to do this. So I started to look up, what does Joshua mean in the Hebrew? Mm-hmm. And Joshua is the same name as Jesus. Yes. It's Yeshua. Yes. It means God saves. Yes. And that's when the tables began to turn for my life. I, instead of being feeling as though I was a joke, I started to see, no, you're actually an influencer of thousands of yes, people. Yes. And it's so important that when you come to Christ, you begin to know and understand who you are in Christ. My Bible declares that you are love. My Bible declares that you are chosen. My Bible declares that you have the spirit of God. My Bible declares that you have the power of, of uh, you, you have a spirit of power and, and love and of a sound mind and that you can step into that opportunity. Yes. But it's essential that you know who you are and you begin to allow God to unfold that and unpack that in your life. If not, you're going to walk into every room with your head down mm-hmm. and looking for a handout. Wow. How do you see you? It's good. Number two, Abram and Sarai's reality. Abram and Sarai's reality. Verse 17 says this, Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at, a, at the age of 100, he thought, and how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. Here's the reality. People don't conceive at 100 and at 90. This is a very valid concern. God didn't say Abram was lying. He didn't say you don't have a point. He didn't say this is not your reality. God is clearly aware that this is a concern and that this does not happen. And many of us, we get caught in that circumstance. We, we'll go to church on a Sunday. We'll be in worship. The Lord will bless our hearts. He speaks to us. We go home. We read our Bible. We write that vision down because pastor said, write that thing down. Believe so you can run. And it just feels good. And then halfway through the week, we get back to this part where reality kicks in, yeah. right? Yeah. You ever felt so um, protected and so encouraged in this space? And then when you get out there by Tuesday, it's like, bam, reality, yeah. right? And it's like, God, but you put that thing on my heart. I believe you promised me that that thing 
And then reality kicks in. And what we start to do, Eduardo, is we start to look just like Abraham and Sarai looks. And we begin to say, well, I don't have enough money for that. I don't have the right connections for that. I don't have enough knowledge for that. I don't know my Bible enough for that. God won't choose me for that. We start to look at our reality and we start to evaluate all of our resources. And we say, well, God, that was a good feeling in church. That was a good thought. But it may be for maybe for them, maybe for Pastor Josh, maybe for this person, but not for me. Not for me. And so we begin to do what we did a chapter ago and we say, can't Ishmael just be under your special blessing? Can't can't this, like, I'm going to do my part. Can't you just bless my work when God is looking for the faith route? When God is looking for you to not give up on him, he's like, you're like, well, I already did this. Can can your blessing just rest on this? And God's like, no. I'm El Shaddai. And so our reality, if if you're taking notes, is this. Our reality is what actually is. It is a bad doctor's note, a bad diagnosis. Your bank account's not looking too good. Relationship is in shambles. Our reality is what actually is. However, if you notice in the text, I need you to pick up on something. God said 12 times, I will. Someone say, I will. will. And the number 12 in the Bible is perfect governmental order, which means that God is saying, I got it covered. I am going to do this. I will do this. Well, Ishmael, no, I will. Well, I'm 100. No, I will. Well, she's 90. Well, no, I will. 12 times. He's overemphasizing. And God will often visit your heart a lot with a lot of hope. He will, he will saturate your heart with hope and with love and with his promise because he loves you and he is going to do it. And so, come on, we can, we can celebrate that. He is, he's going, man, I promise you. I, He's going to do it. So our reality is what actually is today. But God's promise is the definitive truth of tomorrow. God's promise is the definitive truth of tomorrow. And when I stand between where I am today and God's definitive truth of tomorrow, I have to make a choice. I, I look at all the dreams that the Lord has put on my heart. Then I assess my current reality. And in the flesh, I say, heck no. No, God, you bugging. You tripping. Never can't happen. I'm already 36. That ain't old now. Don't be saying wow over there. She like, wow, yeah, that's all. <laughs> Actually, it ain't. I got a lot of time. <laughs> I just got to do my job, you know. So anyway, no, I got a lot of time. I mean, think about it. But I have a choice. Do I stay stuck in the reality? Or do I actually believe God Come on. for the definitive truth? Of the future. And one thing I love about the text, God didn't, God didn't manifest this Jesus. Like, this is a talk he's having with the Lord in his heart. He didn't manifest this Christ and, and say, just lay on my chest. 
I'm so sorry you're 100. I am so sorry she's 90. And, and you're right. Matter of fact, let's set an appointment. I'll spend some time with you today. Let's set another appointment tomorrow, and let's spend some more time tomorrow to, to settle in the reality of what it is that you're currently facing. I just want to sit here with you for the next five years and settle in this reality. You don't have to pull it up, production, but I love it. Verse 22, when God had finished speaking, he left. It's my kind of God. Because, because this is what I do know about God, and this is what we see in the text. We're honoring the text, right? right? This is what I know about God, is that when God makes a promise, he never consults our current reality. Mm. He, he doesn't. Oh, no. He doesn't say, oh, let me, let me check your bank account. Nope. Oh, we can't do that. Let, let me check your, your, that health diagnosis. Oh, no, we can't heal. Let, let me check your connections. Ah, oh, no, I can't open that door. He never consults your current reality. <clears throat> Because he knows what he's going to do. Yes. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And yes, they are at a disadvantage. 190. Hear your pastor's heart, please. So that you can have a different perspective about hard seasons and disadvantage and tough seasons. You must realize this. From Genesis to Revelation, you've got to catch this is that disadvantage always, someone say always, always. precedes destiny. Good. It's almost like God waits right at the last moment yes. when you're tapped out, yes. when you don't have the answer, when you don't have the strength, when you don't have the solution, and he's like, yeah, that's right where I want him. Yeah. <laughs> Because the promise is not based on my ability. Come on. It's based on his power. That's right. That's good. Come on now. It's not. And the quicker we can embrace that, the quicker we can just walk with him. Because he's saying, I don't want any of what Abram can do to boast about having Isaac. I need him to tap out. Why can't you just do it through Ishmael? I did the Ishmael thing. God's like, if I do it through Ishmael, I don't get the glory you do. Wow. Yes. And Jesus doesn't come. Yep. And that's a bad deal for us. Right, right, right. And then let me put you up on this too. It's, oh, Jesus. It's not, it's not in my notes, but the Lord wanted me to tell you this. Good. The older they're getting, Ed, the closer they're getting to the promise. But here's us. The older we're getting, the further we feel that we are to it. I need you to understand this about the human experience. The older you get, the closer you get in heaven. But the older you get, the further you feel away from heaven. Trying to help you understand that when God promises to do something in your life, it's going to happen. That's right. You just have to do the job of figuring out what he's promised you. God, are you truly going to bring that woman of God into my life? If he put on your heart, he will. Maybe not when you wanted him to, 
But if he showed you that man, if he showed you that woman, if he showed you that opportunity, if he showed you that door, it's because he's going to do it. Right. He's, he's going to do it. And he's faithful. I mean, you, you have to understand. Ask David. Right? Goliath, major disadvantage. Won that battle. Stepped into the greatest season of his life. Moses in the Red Sea. Oh, my God, the Egyptians are coming. We don't even know how to swim. Stepped into, stepped towards the promised land. The Red Sea opened up. Yes. Jesus in the grave. Yeah. That was it. That's the bookend of our faith. Wow. The devil's like, yeah, he was a fraud the whole time. I told y'all, all y'all going to hell. <laughs> Three days later, he got up. That's right. That's right. Disadvantage always precedes destiny. You just, have, you just have to do due diligence of staying faithful Come on. and staying on your A game yes, yes. and calling Sarai over. Yeah, I love a good old disadvantage. Number three, God's purpose. Come close me out, worship. Verse 20 says this, For as for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become a father of 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac. Someone say confirmed. Confirmed. Okay, with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. And it says this here, when God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. What I see in the text is God's purpose. Okay, I need you to lean into this. Whenever you're up against a disadvantage, there's a purpose that God is. You need to ask, what is the purpose in all of this? Because we we, we taught you this last week, that the promise is permanent. Mm -hmm. So the promise is going to happen. Right? So if the promise is permanent, yet I'm up against this disadvantage, and I don't feel like I'm going to step into the promise, what is the reason or the purpose behind the promise? Because I don't feel like I'm going to get it. And a definition for purpose is the reason for a thing. I know you're up against something, but the promise is still permanent. So what is the reason for the promise. What is the purpose for the promise? You have to understand something about purpose. Purpose is of far greater value than God's promise. There's always a purpose for his promise. Matter of fact, purpose, promise. Purpose drives promise. Yeah. The reason for the promise drives, the reason drives the promise. This is something I had to realize years ago when I was walking with Jesus because when you're a baby in your faith, you're always asking God for things. Lord, money, healing, um, um, connections, a relationship, uh, whatever, whatever. You're always asking him for things, but you're not asking him for the right reason. So that's when we go and we sleep with Hagar and we conceive Ishmael because our our, our vision and our faith is short-sighted. We just want a baby. But God's just not giving you any kind of baby for any kind of reason. There's a purpose behind the reason he's promising to give you Isaac. And this is why Ishmael cannot be under the special blessing. It's because Jesus is going to come through Isaac. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. 
And so now I need to look at the text and I need to look in the mirror and I need to reflect on why am I asking God for this car? Why am I asking God for this house? Why, why do I believe that God has promised me this kind of lifestyle? The purpose. That's right. The promise. The purpose drives the promise. So do you just want a baby? Or when you have the baby, you will look at the world, you will tell other people, the reason God blessed us with this child is because of everything that Jesus has done in my life. Whenever this is a kingdom thing, if if you want to unlock heaven over your life, I'm telling you, you have to stop being selfish about the promise. You can't conceal, you can't conceal the promise. You can't hold the promise. You have to understand, well, do it through Ishmael because I did. No, no, God, he cared about him. No, 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 no. This is about people knowing Jesus through his blessings in your life. You know why? Because the only thing that really matters to God is heaven or hell. That's right. Amen. So, Josh, I promise to use you. You're going to start a great church. I heard this in 2015. It's going to be amazing. You guys are going to take over. Uh, yeah, Lord. Yo, I'm going to take over, Lord. I'm going to take over. Lord's like, no, not for you. There are addicts in Maryland, there are single mothers, there are broken families. There's a lot going on in that state. And I'm not sending you there for you. I'm not sending you there for your family. I'm sending you there so that people will see a godly family, see a godly marriage, see an amazing church, and know my son, Jesus. So I have to start asking myself, why am I asking God for this? Is it just for me? Or is it so that when God gives it to me, I can point. Isaac did what? He pointed to Jesus. And I promise you, when you start living in that way, the limits will come off your life. The limits. Someone say the limits. The limits will come off your life. The limits. That's that's a question. I don't know if I have one on the screen, but that's it's in my notes. Would the fulfillment of his promises to me point others to Jesus? The purpose of God's promise is for others to know Jesus. So God wants to give you that business. But if someone set you down and asked you, why is your business flourishing so much? Would you say, oh, hard work, had a vision board, had a plan, had a strategy, you know, got an amazing team? Heck no. The reason my business is thriving is because of Jesus. Man, your family's so strong. Your family's so faithful, so beautiful. Ha-ha. Well, you know, me and my wife, we, we go on date night once a week. We go out a little staycation once a quarter. We have a long vacation once a year. No, no, no. It's because Jesus is at the center of our marriage. Jesus is what it's all about. Jesus. 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 I see you got a promotion. I see you got a raise. I see you making more money. Yeah, you know, I study hard. You know me. I do my little thing. You know, I got a $20,000 increase. No, I'm anointed by Jesus. Because at the end of the day, we will all stand before God. And those on the right, he's going to say, come on in. 
because you believe in my son. Those on the left, he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. Your co-workers need to know that it's Jesus. Your family needs to know that it's Jesus. They need to know. They they, They need to know that it's Jesus. He's the purpose behind the house. Behind the new car, behind the baby you're trying to conceive, behind the spouse you want him to send you. It's not the spouse. It's wow, Jesus sent this man into my life. And I waited for him for a long time. Can we put our hands together, church?